Hello, and welcome to Roll and Roll. This is the first episode in a reoccurring podcast featuring a bunch of nerdy friends coming together and playing Dungeons and Dragons. Grab a chair and pull on up to the table. I'll be your host and dungeon master, Brad Hendrickson. And here with my amazing friends that have decided to be my castmates uh, on this little adventure. Uh, I guess would uh, y'all mind introducing yourselves and also tell us what you do when you're not rolling the dice. All right, I guess I'll start. Uh, so I'm Darrell Greisbaum, and when I'm not rolling the dice, I am currently working at a bakery, and uh, I study all sorts of junk and do outdoor sports. Cool, I'll go next. Um, my name is Seth Michelson. I am an, I, when I'm not rolling dice, I am an accountant. I work for a construction company um, doing accounting stuff. My name's Tesca Michelson. I'm married to Seth Michelson here. Um, I'm a nurse in the area, and when we have free time, we really enjoy playing lots of board games um, with our friends that are here in the area. My name's Austin Darren. Uh, when I'm not playing D&D with my friends, um, I am either playing Magic, uh, but what I do most of the time is I actually work at a university uh, as an admissions counselor. So I help students figure out what they want to do with their life. Um, and then at the other time, I also am in graduate school for counseling. So I will be a shrink. Good luck. <laughs> Godspeed. Little do we Not all know me. that this no. is actually Austin's big uh, senior pro or uh, grad project, uh, studying D&D &D and counseling. Uh, but like I said earlier, I'm Brad Hendrickson. I'm a student finishing up a degree in uh, preaching and ministry, and hopefully I'm going to finish up here soon and go abroad. I want to go abroad and do mission work. Uh, you know, um, so that's us, and I don't think we have any big announcements tonight, uh, so let's just go ahead and dive straight into the game, guys. So let's grab our dice and roll up an adventure. Yes. Okay. Let's do it. My grandfather told me how Aklium got its great scar. When the land's great fiery maw opened and the demons and devils crawled their way out. In return, the sky split and the gods sent their winged champions to fight them. Those black days lasted six years. Their war spilled over the entire world, dragging everyone into it. He said by the time the demons and the celestials returned to their own realms, the world had forever changed. Monsters that had thought to have been extinct returned. Ancient primitive races came out of their hiding, and the tides of magic are rising, and old relics burn once more with power. Humans, the least magically adept of the four great races, now swell with sorcerers with each new generation. The elves are still recovering, from losing several of their great floating kingdoms. Dwarves sealed themselves away behind their mountains. We only know they still live because of the smoke rising from their forge up into the clouds. The dragonborn, the greatest sufferers of those black days, were called to rebuild their great society. My grandfather told me how his family used to be able to travel between city with no fear of attack by manticore, chimera, or uh, troll. Now, and how he had loved the beauty of the sea which now boils with horrors. 
The flying levee ships first made by the elves have begun to dock at all ports over the world, but even the skies are marred by that war that spilled into our realms. Great number of believers perform miracles in the name of their patron gods. My grandfather, at the end of his days, swore that the veil between the realms, heaven, hell, the shadows, a fairy, and whatever else, has become thin. I believe my grandfather was right. The world is different. The new acclaim is by Larna Faraday of Dionys Illid, the King's Bard. It has been four generations since the war between the gates. Acclium is now a world renewed with danger and excitement. The land of Xylostasi is no exception. To the south, on the other side of the Vantage Mountains, in the high plains, a sickness brews in the vast croplands and threatens the first famine in the history of Xylostasi, a continent often known and called the Golden Fields. East across the Dagger Gulf in the Zutik rainforest, the sound of thunder masks the booming of war drums. To the far east and south on the Thogun Peninsula, the dwarven colony of Forlungi opens a new forge and pulls lava from the volcanic mountain range. But it is not the only volcano to suddenly be burning hot. On each of the 11 major islands of the Kadasa Sea, Villagers are noticing an uptake in black smoke pouring forth from the mouths of their small mountains. On the other side, but our story, begins at the merchant city of Miriam, on the northern coast of Xylostasi. Miriam is a large port the largest port town in the Karasa Sea, and many of the islands risk shipping their goods across the stormy waves so they might have a chance at reaching the farther continents of Faerun and Karator. The merchant king and his fishermen hold an iron grip on all trade through the Middle, uh, through the middle Sea. Miriam's clamshell port is a forest of ship masts and sails. Great heavily armored galleys unload vast holds of trade goods. The shouts of beggars and salesmen fill the bazaar and taverns teem with the negotiations of brave ship captains. But this is not where our story will end. Like all good beginnings to a legend, this is only the part where the strings of fate begin to intertwine. A figure stands on the uh, end of a dock, stepping off of a ship, handing his last gold piece to a ship captain. He pulls back his hood, and Durrell, uh, what do we see? So you're now looking at... Azarbo is a prince of the moon falls and he is a like six foot seven uh, tabaxi. He's got like a leopard, a leopard's head and uh, sort of a, a male body, uh, very tall, kind of lithe and lean. Um, he's got his traveler's clothes sort of loosely covering his uh, studded armor. He's got a scimitar at his hip and he's got a massive crossbow on his back and a shield that kind of covers that up uh, and he's got a gold eye and an emerald eye gold on the right and emerald on the left and uh yeah just quick smile um and show off some big fangs okay uh you know his name was azarbo uh-huh azarbo you uh, you pass off your last gold coin and then the ship captain uh thanks you pockets it away, and heads back uh, down the docks, down the pier, uh, to his ship. 
you stand at the edge of the city. Uh, crates are passing you back and forth. Um, with no money in your pocket, what would you like to do? Um, I am going to... Is there any spot around here that looks like I can... Uh, like people are going to gather? Bar, fight club, whatever. Uh, make the first roll of the campaign. Make a perception check. All right. Take that. Got 16 plus 3 is 19. All right. So you, you take in the space, uh, looking around the, the hustle and bustle. You do see uh, a place where you're watching a lot of sailors pop in and out of. Um, uh, it doesn't look like it's any type of business. It's not like a warehouse. Uh, they seem to be walking out either arm in arm, uh, laughing about something. Uh, occasionally one will kind of stumble his way out. But you can probably assume that whatever that building is, is probably a tavern. All right. I'm going to head right toward it then. Okay. Uh, you head straight over. And as you get closer, you can see atop the sign is a, uh, a, a label that says um, the listing ship uh, as you, you approach the entrance. Listing ship. All right. Um, anything else I'm noticing as I'm walking up? Any, like outstanding people any outstanding objects um you do notice uh there is on the outside a notice board um covered in nailed uh flyers of, of various kinds um yes you do notice that okay. there are no uh weird old wizards handing out quests though <laughs> okay uh i will screw it i'll go check out the board uh, as you walk up, you do notice that um, there are a number of flyers. Uh, one in particular is hanging on its last thread, and actually as you approach, it falls loose and uh, comes off and starts blowing in the breeze. I'm going to catch that one. All right, you snag it out of the air, uh, and you unroll it, and atop of it you can see uh, Captain Dagan Lux. Looking for uh, ship crew, uh, all races are welcome, the Silver Sails, a transportation company. Okay. Uh, I'm going to look at the rest of the board, see what else is on there. Um, you see a couple other uh, offerings for, for um, ship's crews. Uh, you see one for the Dauntless. You see another advertisement to join the Fisherman's Guild. You see a request for um, like dock workers looking for people to either kind of move crates or to move wares. Uh, nothing um, stands out. Like there's no like hunt a monster or uh, uh, kill the rats in my basement. Okay. <laughs> Just to name something. Um, I will, yeah, in that case, I'm going to pocket the one that I caught, and I will walk into the tavern. I'll walk into the listing ship. As you walk into the listing ship, uh, you can, you, uh, you go up, and it's kind of an empty space. Now it look like you're kind of past lunch. A lot of people were coming out. Not a lot of people were going in. But across on a back table, uh, it, or I'm sorry, apologies, on the far end of the bar is actually another tabaxi um, attempting to, to hold a conversation uh, with looks like some type of sailor. 
Uh, Austin, when Azarba walks in, uh, what does he see? Uh, when when he uh, walks in, he'll see me um, heckling a uh, a dark colored uh, human uh, who looks like he's he's kind of um, not having it. Uh, but then he walks away, and I start talking to another creature that he's not necessarily familiar with. Um, what he sees on my body is that I am draped um, in gold and purple um, colors. I have a chain on, um, but he sees furry ears poking out. Um, if he sees my face, then he'll notice that I look kind of like a leopard. Um, I have spots all over me, um, around my eyes. Uh, it looks as if I have mascara on, um, and my eyes are a, a dark amber color. Um, and my mouth always seems to have a smirk to it. <laughs> right. Uh, and um, I want you to go ahead and make a perception check. Okay. Roll that d20. Oh, yeah. Okay, that is an 18 plus my modifier, which is uh, 3, uh, because that is 1 plus <laughs> my proficiency. And so that is 21. All right. Uh, you, as the uh, ebony skin man, stands up and kind of seems to be done with you. Uh, you turn to see the door opening up. And standing there, kind of casting a, a shadow now, you can kind of blink through the light, is actually somebody familiar to you. The name Azarbo jumps into your mind. Uh, and I, I think to myself, Azarbo? What, what are you doing? I haven't seen him in so long. Um, and I think my curiosity takes hold of me. Um, and I, I grab uh, the stein that's in front of me. I take a big swig from it, put it down. Um, I look to the bartender. Is is he near? Yes. And I say, two drinks, sir. Of course, sir. And you, the bartender begins pouring stuff up. Um, I, I pick up um, the drinks when, when, when he's finished. Oh, yeah, he pours out uh, two rums uh, into a glass and sets them both down. Um, and I, I want to stand up and move towards um, this this tabaxi who, whom I think is Azarbo. And I say, Azarbo! Is that you? Azarbo? Azarbo, all of a sudden you're rushed by this other tabaxi uh, in fine blue and gold. And it takes you a moment to recognize him as Drippin. Drip? You're kidding. <laughs> I was like, am I? <laughs> Look at this one. Uh, and then I hand him one of the steins. I'm going to take it and then uh, I'm, I'm uh, goodness gracious. Well, where have you been? I, I thought you left Zufi. I did. I did. I went on so many journeys as he looks up and to the side and kind of sighs a little bit. Um, and then he kind of sharply looks back at you and says, there is one thing I miss about home. How's your sister doing? I should have known it would come to my <laughs> sister. Oh, yeah, she's, 
she's fine. She's fine, and we'll hopefully never see you again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sure we'll cross paths. (laughs) But how are you? I'm fantastic. I'm now going to... Well, uh, we're not quite so welcome where home was anymore. The elves are uh, trying to push us out. No. Yeah, well... uh, We're doing so well with those guys. Uh, used to be, and it turns out that the forests are not big enough for the both of us anymore. But uh, more on that, I guess, later. Let's <laughs> shall we drink? <laughs> oh, always. Uh, and then I take a big glug of my drink. Uh, you feel the rum come down uh, your throat, kind of with a nice sweet burn. Lovely. <laughs> I'm tossing uh, it. There you go. Come, come, friend. Uh, and then I, I bring him over to the table I was just at. All right, so you two sit alone at, at the table uh, and kind of start sipping on your drinks. I'm going to whip out the... Uh, I've got a ruby in my pack, and I'm going to show it to him. <laughs> I'm say, what do you got there? So this is kind of rough. It's uncut ruby, and it's like... This is uh, my my latest trinket, and it doesn't have really a home yet. But you know, one of the elves came by and left this before I did, back with you know father and I. But uh, I figured it might be of use along the way. Have any use for it? Oh, do I? You have my attention. Uh, are you just gonna give it to me? Can I can I trade you for it? Um... Oh, what do you have that's interesting? Oh, well, yeah. and I start rifling through each one of my pockets, kind of pulling out random little things, uh, throwing them like behind my shoulders a little bit. Uh, and then I, I put my hand into one of my large sleeves and pull out uh, an artifact. It looks kind of like a rod. <clears throat> and I say, I have this. And what's the story behind? It's, it's about two feet long. So what is the story behind this? Well, remember when I left? Yeah. It was sort of because of this artifact. I I was uh, put, or I was sent by Zufi um, to to go seek out this artifact. And whenever I entered the caves by the volcano, um, there were so many runes and so many interesting things on the walls that I, I, I really ignored the artifact and started studying what was in that cave. Um, and as I put this all into this book, and then I hold up the book I put it in, uh, which is now my spell book, um, whenever I recorded all these, I just grabbed the artifact and brought it back to Zufi. Whenever I got back, he was so, so blown away that I could do this that he just kind of sent me off and I, I guess I just never thought about it since then um, but you're welcome to help me figure this out I'm going to pass the ruby across the table and grab that thing and take a look at it and <laughs> as I'm inspecting it are you sure Zufi just didn't give up on you and send you away no 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 I would have noticed <laughs> um, sure. and, I, and I inspect the ruby uh, a, a little bit 
Um, give me, give me an investigation check then. Is that for both of us? Uh, if you want to look at the the rod that he gave you, you'll want to do an Arcana check. All right, I'll do it. Got an eighteen. Okay, an eighteen on the Arcana. Uh, it definitely <laughs> is arcane. Um, but you have no idea exactly what it's for. Uh, it does seem to be an item of mystery. Uh, it has strange seals uh, of concentric circles kind of on either end of the rod that's kind of like uh, capping either end. Um, Sorry, it has strange... It has uh, strange um, see, uh, seals, like concentric circles. Seals, uh, gotcha. On either end. Okay. Well, I've got no uh, use for Sorry, go ahead. I'm looking at this and going, I probably have absolutely no use for it, so I'm going to roll it back your way. <laughs> and when I finish um, inspecting it, I yell to the GM, I got a D20! Or, I got a nat 20, sorry. Not 20. Nat 20. <laughs> I, I hope you do have a D20. We're playing Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> um, uh, Alright, so that. a natural 20. Um, you can... From your travels, uh, you can guess that this ruby is probably worth uncut, about 25 gold. Uh, it is probably what it's worth. Um, other than that, it, it's a ruby. It, it's a you kind of like gnaw on it for a second, like pick at it with your nail or your claw, and it's like, yep, yeah, that that that's a real ruby. Awesome. Uh, and then I think I stow it away. I say, if you don't want this artifact, I can take it back too. Oh yeah, yeah, no, they're they're yours. Have at it. Oh, perfect. All right, so you can uh, add to your uh, item list a rough cut ruby worth twenty five gold. Sweet, doing it. Okay, and uh, as y'all are kind of sitting there and beginning to catch up, uh, a small. Uh, figure now walks through the door uh, the light kind of cast, uh, casting a shadow a small shadow uh, by her as she, she steps into the room um, Tesca what do we see uh, as this new person walks into the space uh, you see uh, Safina walk in she is a 2 foot 11 forest gnome um, she's got real dirty blonde hair it's really unkempt um, kind of like You've just been running through the forest and it's all like billowed out. Um, there's probably like a twig or something sticking out from behind her ear. She's very tan as she's been raised outside. Um, and she has bright green eyes, um, reminiscent of the forest she grew up in. Um, she's got her traveling clothes on. Um, she's got some pockets and stuff all over, um, all over her person. She has a scimitar at her waist and she is carrying a a quarter staff that's about three and a half feet tall it's a little bit taller than her it's um very um old and gnarled looking oak uh, it kind of curls into a question mark at the top of it and it's wrapped with um leather and twine around the parts where she would um, be holding it in her hand as she'd walk okay um as you step into the space uh you look down in your hand and uh you remember that uh you uh, have a note uh, that you need to deliver uh across it is written uh kadim uh at and in underneath at uh, the boar tusk 
and you turn to find uh, one of your new companions, somebody you met just uh, that morning, uh, and you look to find Drip uh, seated in a chair uh, with another tabaxi. Ah, um, I walk on up to uh, Drip and I reach up and tap him on the shoulder. Um, do I do I feel it? <laughs> <laughs> Give a strength check. You're pinning down. Oh, constitution. <laughs> You're sitting down. Con, yeah, con, con saving throw. But no, no Drip, you feel a little a little tap down on your elbow. Okay, I stand on my tippy toes and I tap your shoulder with my quarter staff. There we go. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I look around, um, spilling a little bit of my drink as as I as I spin. Ah. Drip. Oh, oh, did I did I drip some of my my beer in here? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm looking for Kadim. Have you seen him around here? Kadim. Kadim. Uh, do I do I know if I've I've seen Kadim? <laughs> no, you, you do not know who this Kadim character is. But you can see down over his shoulder, and you you can see across written on this folded note. It says at the Bortesk. I say I don't I don't think you're in the right spot. I don't I don't know the Kadim. I can I can look for it. I don't know. Should I know Kadim? I don't know. It's Kaim. No, not not him. Not him. <laughs> well, I'm supposed to deliver this note to him. This isn't the Vortesk. I can deliver it for you. Can you show me the way at least? Maybe I'm trying to learn my way around town. Do I know where that uh, place is? Uh, you do not, but you can definitely try to find it. Okay. I say, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll help you out. Uh, let me just get another drink, uh, and then we can be on our way. Can I bring my friend? Uh, sure. Who's your friend? Uh, he's just an old brother of a fling I had a while back, but he's cool. Safi's eyes get really wide, and she's like, oh my goodness. I'm going to stand up and do a little, a little elven-style bow real quick, and then just say, I am Azarbo of the Moonfalls, and he is a liar. It's very nice to meet you. <laughs> I stick out my hand and go, Safino Wildheart, a pleasure. I'll squat and then lean over and then extend a hand way down <laughs> and take it. Um, it. Does her quarterstaff catch my eye? <laughs> As you lean down, it kind of like bonks you in the cheek. And, you're like, ah. <laughs> and I take a look at it and I look back at her and I look back at it and I look back at her and I say, you want to trade quarter staffs? And I pull my quarter staff out, and it's like very plain, like just very normal quarter staff. And say, "This one's pretty cool. Do you want to trade?" How uh, <laughs> how, how tall is your quarter staff there? <laughs> what am I looking at? Um, it, it's probably about four and a half to five feet long. Okay, I think that one's just just a little bit too big for me, but. You know, thanks thanks for offering. I'll I'll call on to mine. Yours is more of a training quarterstaff, anyways. It just looks older than mine. See, mine's new. It's sleek. It's taller. It's better. I don't think I could carry that. Actually, can you see the size difference? This one's like made for me. That one's made for you. Hey, these days gnomes can do anything. Don't put limitations on yourself. Okay, trip. 
boar's head. Do you know how we're getting there? <laughs> and I'm like, we'll continue this later. Um, and I begin walking out the door. Um, uh, and, and I just want to look for it. I just want to search for it. Well, as you as step out of the door, you make a quick look to the right. And uh, leaning up against the wall, uh, patiently waiting for his two new companions to come out of the listing ship, uh, what do we see, uh, Seth? Well, um, uh, leaning up against the the building is a large furbolg, male furbolg. Uh, furbolg are uh, large half giant species. Uh, they have gray skin, um, covered with uh, like thick gray hair. Um, he stands eight foot four. Um, <laughs> so short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's very very thick. Like his arms are. As, as thick as branches, um, but not like a muscular way, more of a, uh, a round, um, a little bit pudgy way. Um, his face, his face uh, is, is crested by a large uh, red bulbous nose, um, and on the side of his head are two large, almost like a, a goat-like ears um, that stick out floppily from the side of his head. Uh, he's wearing... Uh, leather armor made from skins of animals that he probably killed. Um, and on his back is a, uh, a long uh, brown cloak uh, crested with the feathers of a owl bear he killed. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, as uh, you're standing there patiently waiting for, for Sethine to retrieve Drip so y'all could finish y'all's errand, uh, out pops Drip uh, rather... I don't want to say like flamboyantly, but very uh, uh, abruptly, uh, just kind of seems to almost explode out into the street. Hey, Drip, what you doing? <laughs> I turn around, uh, kind of giggle a little bit. Like, hey, you just hanging out? Yep, I didn't want to go inside. The ceilings are kind of low in there. <laughs> that's that's fair to say. That's fair to say. Well, they don't affect my new friend here. Uh, and I point down to the gnome and I say, would you like to help her out? Uh, well, uh, right. Sorry. I didn't tell you what, right. uh, she's, she's looking for, uh, for a bunch of, what was the name of that again? The boar's task. The boar's task. You know where that is, right? Uh, nope. Oh, I thought you knew most of the places around here. Uh, I just got here. That's right. That's right. That must have been another furbolg I've I've met. You've met more furbolg. Which uh, ones? Right, right. Um, I guess we should just look for it. Before um, we do, is there any signs around here? Give Give me a moment, Drip, and I'm gonna walk back into the tavern keep and say, "Hey, um, can you tell me where we can find the boar tusk?" Uh, yes, sir. It is four blocks down and then two blocks to the east. You will see a pig's head trophy hanging above the door. Okay, that will be. Thank you very much. And I'm going to walk back out and I'll let them know. He gives where you we... a little bow and let and you exit the building. And so now I'm going to let them know where what direction that is, and we can start moving along. Sounds wonderful. I'll follow your lead. All right, so you uh, go down the hustling streets of Miriam, uh, people rushing back and forth, and you notice that it is a mixture of all styles of clothes. 
you see people wearing uh, long robes with white turbans wrapped around their head. But you also see uh, the long jackets of something that's more akin to uh, northern countries. And you occasionally even see a few people wearing, um, for our tabaxis here, clothes that are more reminiscent of uh, the elven kingdom that is by you, which is a very orient design, long red robes uh, with gold trim and uh, their hair pulled up into small buns into the tops of their heads. Miriam, uh, y'all are quickly understanding, is a uh, melting pot for, for many cultures uh, as uh, a lot of trade seems to move through this one port. And you make it down the blocks, uh, you turn and uh, you see down at the end of the street a building with a large boar head uh, trophy sticking directly above a door. Um, you go up to the entrance. Um, do all of you want to step inside? or I will hold the door open and gesture for everybody to go in. Thank you very much. And I kind of bow my head a little bit at him and walk into uh, the barkeep to ask him about who Kadim is. You are looking for Kadim. Uh, he is, and he kind of looks through the crowd that he's got for the the kind of an afternoon snack group is uh, uh, that table uh, over there. Um, and he kind of gestures, uh, go ahead. Uh, he is generally a friendly person. Thank you very much. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I walk on over to the table that he pointed to and um, I tap the nearest person on the shoulder again with my quarterstaff. Um, excuse me, I'm looking for a, a Kadim. Uh, and a, a face looks down at you. It is a half-orc uh, with green skin and tusk poking up from uh, underneath his lower lip. He's got a white turban wrapped around his head and quite a few gold and silver chains hanging around his neck. Yes, uh, I am Kodim. How can I help you, small one? <clears throat> oh, and I like my eyes kind of get big looking at him, a little taken aback, and I quickly pull out the note and said, I was told to deliver this to you and hand it to him. He takes it, opens up the note. Ah, you are with Dagon. How is he these days? He seemed good to me. Positive, excited to get going on his next journey. Ah, uh, he is always a fun heart, isn't he? Uh, do you have the money that comes with this order? I tap around in my pockets. Do I have money? Yes, you <laughs> have the, the pouch of gold that uh, you can't, you had with the note. Okay, <laughs> I hand him the pouch of gold. All right, he, he takes it from you. He kind of takes it, looks in there. Always have to double check with Dagon. He kind of skims off the top every now and then. And he, he, he looks through everything and he ties everything up. He's like, okay, if uh, next time you see Dagon, um, tell him that his uh, package should be arriving at the Harlequin before and he looks down at his watch before the hour is up and he motions over to somebody and the person from the room comes over and uh he hands the note that you had kadim hands a note to some kind of subordinate and they head off and, and start doing something is there no, I... anything else i can help you with small one no sir that was that was all that i had thank you so much uh good uh have a nice day and then I 
kind of walk back over to find the rest of the group. Did I hear the name Dagon Lux? Yes, you did. That's who I was delivering the note for on behalf of. I'm going to whip out the little flyer and say, I'm looking for Dagon Lux. Oh. Can we go back to him? Of course. I'm supposed to tell him that his package will be ready anyways. Um, I take him down the street uh, back towards where I came from, um, where I saw uh, Captain Lux last. Uh, the last time you saw him, uh, y'all had parted ways outside of a building with a, uh, a, a looks like a, a painting of a woman, a belly dancer, and it was called the Dancer's Veil. <coughs> I last saw him um, at the Dancer's Veil. If we if we walk back down this way, th- there's a sign with with the belly dancer on. If you keep your eyes out, we'll, I'm sure we'll see it quickly. Okay. And I head off in that direction. Uh, all right. So the small group kind of sticks together, and you make your way down a few more streets. It takes you a moment to, to, to orient yourself, but eventually you make your way uh, over uh, to the dancing veil. And as you get closer, you can hear the sound of music uh, being played on uh, flutes and some type of string instrument that you're not familiar with. Uh, every now and then you can see the occasional whiff of uh, uh uh, smoke uh, come out a window um, on both the first and second floor. Okay. As we're walking up to it, I turn to Azarbo and I say, out of curiosity, has Drip always acted the way he acts now? He used to be a bit more tame, but I, I we only knew each other until he left the Moonfalls. And I mean, he was... We, we must have been quite young, twelve. Okay, I was I was just curious. I don't know him very well, and he he seems a little flashy to me. <laughs> uh, most of us uh, have not been quite so flashy. We uh, I don't know if he's told you much of the caravan court, but it, it is not mostly that way. But he is not like the other children. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> and just keep walking up towards the the Where, am I, where am I uh in in comparison to these guys? I mean, I'm assuming that you've all been kind of walking in a group but maybe spacing out a little bit. Uh, uh Zarbo and uh Safi probably taking the lead with um oh, good uh, Petricor and uh kind of being a slow methodical walker kind of maybe dragging behind a bit. Uh so it's up to you. Where, where do you want to be in this, this mixture? I want to be uh, near Petricor. Uh, and what I want to be doing is I want to like every, like, I don't know, every hundred feet, I want to cast Prestidigitation uh, to make it smell like it's uh, Petricor's favorite food uh, about 10 <laughs> feet from him, but in like diff- on different sides of him as we walk. <laughs> All right, so so Petricor, as you're walking, every now and then you just kind of inhale and you have a whiff of uh, your favorite meal from back home. It's oddly coming in different directions. Uh, give me a sleight of hand check, uh, uh, Drip. All right. Is it opposed? It'll be against uh, your passive perception. Okay, cool. Uh, that 
is going to be a six. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Petricor, as um, Drip, who you'd only met the night before when he had signed on to this crew uh, along with you, um, you can see him every now and then kind of giggling to himself and with a few hand motions and a word the smell that you uh, kind of instantly seems to waft into you. You gather very quickly that he is the cause of this, uh, this mischief. Hey, Drip. Someone's cooking venison steaks nearby. I can smell it. Oh, oh do you smell that? Yep. Right now? <laughs> Smells like it's coming, it's it coming from, from up ahead somewhere. Up ahead? Where now? Yeah, well... Uh, I figure since they've got some business they've got to attend to, it appears perhaps you and I could go uh, enjoy a nice venison steak. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's go find where that smell's coming from. Please. All right. I'll lead. I can smell it best, I think. Okay. And I follow Petra. <laughs> and so I follow the just, smell. Do you continue to just kind of make the smell... Uh, Kind of now, kind of like a carrot in front of a uh, in front of a dog, or, or a treat in front of a dog, just kind of keep coming up in front of them. Yeah. All right. So as y'all peel off to kind of follow this imaginary smell, uh, Safi and Azarbo, you make your way to the uh, to the front door. Uh, it's kind of a long building. It's actually it's a pretty impressive structure, uh, and you come up uh, and there's not a door, but a very a uh, silk kind of like veil hanging uh, over the doorway. Okay. Uh, this is not a typical door. This is not a typical establishment, is it? Um, no. You might want to cover your eyes. And I walk in and I start looking for Captain Lux. Um, give me a perception check. I think it's your turn. I don't. I gotta get everybody at some point. Everybody's gonna make a perception check. <laughs> oh, I got a six. Got a six total. Six total. Um, you look through the space, um, and you get distracted by. Uh, there's just a lot going on. There are lots of pink and purple with gold everywhere. There's women going around uh, in crop tops with the veil. It's very, very classic veils over the face handing out drinks and uh, handing out meals. There are men and women of all races and sizes hanging out on cushions with uh, uh, pipes of smoke passing back and forth. Um, and I will think of the word that that is called here in a moment. But uh, it just seems to be a space not of fleshly pleasure that you know, it, you know maybe that's somewhere else in the building, but for in this main common area, it's just for a space of enjoyment and relaxation. Uh, there seems to be plenty of drinks being passed around and eventually you kind of see near, uh, the band that's in a corner, uh, you mm -hmm. see Captain Lux, a figure in a tall or in a long leather coat, uh, with his brown hair kind of, uh, loose and hanging over past his ears, kind of long. And he's, you can tell now he's in his middle ages now in daylight. Uh, you can tell he has a little bit of salt and pepper now filling into his uh, rich brown uh, five o'clock shadow. Um, and he's kind of just in the corner and it looks like he shakes somebody's hand. The, the person gets up and, and walks on and you see him kind of lean back in the chair, uh, take a, a pipe and, and take a drag on it. Okay. He's like, oh, there he is over there. 
Um, and I walk on up and um, say, Captain <coughs> Lux, um, I have I have somebody here who wants to speak with you. Ah, Savina. Gesture towards. Uh, this is Azarbo. Azarbo, that is quite the name. Uh, you look a lot like Drip. Drip and I are old, old friends, but um, it is very nice to meet you. And I'm going to do another little elf-style bow and then say, <laughs> I heard you're in need of a crew. Yes, and he sticks out his hand and says, Captain Dagon Lux, at your service. And I'll take his hand and say, Azarbo, Prince of Moonfalls, at yours. A pr prince? And he looks over at Safina and he's like, Safina, the Drip didn't mention that he knew a prince. This could uh, this could help us greatly. Uh, where is Moonfalls? Pardon me. Where where is Moonfalls? Oh, it's uh, it's it's on an island, far from here, unfortunately. Um, do you know? Do you know the Fox Lord? The, the do you know Lord. of the Fox Lord? I cannot say I know anything about any foxes or lords. Well, I know a lot of things about lords. Lords are a pain, but that's beside the point. No, I don't know a fox lord. I hope not to inconvenience you with the lordship then, but never mind it. I'm from far from here. Uh, well, maybe someday we'll uh, we'll head to your home and uh, have good business. I'd be glad. To, I'd be glad to return. But um, what exactly do you need as in your crew? Um. Well. Mainly, I am just looking to expand my business. I have been uh, traveling alone for quite some time. I'm doing okay, but it's time to grow. So I uh, thought I'd bring on a few extra hands. Okay. Well, if your uh, business is good and you'll allow me to travel and see the world, then I will serve under you. Serve under? Uh, those are quite strong terms. Uh, just be a good shipmate. How about that, my friend? I can agree to that. All right. And he, you watch him reach down the bag that he's got, and he pulls out this long book that's a, a ledger. He opens it up, flips to a page, and you can see there already is Patricor, uh, Drabim, Safina, in handwriting, and then at an open space, and he lays it down, pulls out a quill, and hands it to you. He's like, just uh, sign it right there, and you'll be part of this Silver Sales Transportation Company. Okay, I'm going to, I'll, I'll sign it in common and Elvish just for giggles. All right, so you uh, <laughs> sign your name down twice. You actually don't see Petricor's name. Instead, you see a large X kind of like <laughs> scrawled over atop several other signatures, uh, just kind of in the middle of the page. Okay, you, uh, you look back up and you can see that uh, Petricor took a lot of, uh, a lot of attempts. Pleasure to join you. So, um, what is our task for the day then? Well, uh, let me ask Safina. Safina, did you uh, make that uh, delivery for me? Yes, I did. We we found Kadim, and he said that your package should be here within the hour or wherever it is needed. I guess. All right. Uh, hopefully, he should know where my ship is, and he'll get it there in time. Uh, so it sounds like we have an hour to kill. Where are the other two? I look around and I was like, oh, they they were right behind us. Did you see where they went, Azorbo? I think there was something said about steak. 
uh, and with this, we'll jump perspective. Um, y'all have been uh, Patrick or uh, consistently coming down an alley in random directions. Uh, you've been, you know, turned down one as the smell of steak meets your nose, and uh, off on your left, another alleyway opens up, and the smell seems to come down there, and so you follow down the right. And eventually you come back out onto the main street that you haven't been down before. And the, and the smell kind of continues to pull in front of you. And you've been doing this for about uh, uh, 10 minutes now, uh, tracing down the smell. Huh. Well, Drip, uh, I can't find it. And uh, I'm just going to go into the nearest shop. All right. I must be inside one of these shops around here. We've been following it for quite a while. All right, you uh, step inside, and it's filled with oddities. Um, and you see a, a person um, dusting some type of item off, of some made of some type of bronze, and they're clean and they're cleaning it off. Uh, yes, can I help you? Uh, do you sell venison steaks here? I have sold many things in my life, good sir, but I have never sold a venison steak. Hmm, pity. It's a good market. Uh, I'll keep, keep that in mind. What, what do you sell here? Well, I sell all kinds of things in my emporium. And he sets down the item and you see a halfling jump up onto the table and kind of give a, a broad gesture out in his arms, kind of gesturing towards the room. Welcome to my emporium. Uh, does anything catch Petrichor's eye particularly? Um, make a Make a perception check. All right. Nineteen. Nineteen. Um, what kind of things would Petrichor be looking for? Um, he likes things that are shiny. Uh, he also likes things that are made of metal because there's not a lot of metal where he comes from. Um, so it's like a a new thing. Uh, also, things that are brightly colored catch his eye because again, he, he's from the forest. So he he aside from birds and berries, there's not many reds, blues, and other brightly colored things. All right. Uh, as you take in the space, um, there are trinkets galore. Uh, there it is. It, it's like going to a pawn shop that really hasn't organized anything. Everything's just kind of thrown out there. Uh, one very shiny thing that catches your eye uh, is a some type of object that has a little kind of what a lens on the top and then a swinging bit down on the bottom, and you pick it up and, and you move it around, uh, and you can hear the halfling uh, comment, ah, that is quite a fine astrolabe. Astrolabe. What does it do? It helps you navigate the stars. So if you are a sailor, it helps out you quite a bit. How do sailors navigate in the stars? By the stars, my friend. By the stars. Huh. I didn't know the stars had oceans. <laughs> uh, they might. I, I don't know. That, that's a good question. How much for this uh, star navigation system? He sits there and, and strokes his chin. Um, four silver would be I think a fair price. I look over at Drip. Drip, what do you think? 
do we need one of these? And I have like three different items in my hand. And I go, oh, oh, uh, uh, and I put them all back on the shelf. And I take a look at what he's buying, uh, which is what? An it's a... Oh, sorry, go ahead. An astrolabe? I say, uh... It's for navigating in the stars. You know, I hear our captain actually does that. And he may have one of those. I, I'm not. I'm not sure that's something you'll need. But what if we lose the captain? That's true. That's true. What if I could tell you that we could find something even greater here in the shop? Yeah. Let me work my magic, and I cast detect magic. Oh right. dang. Um. What is detect magic? <laughs> in the pawn shop. Yeah, yeah. So uh, read off the read off the the book. What what does it say? Detect magic does. So as I'm reading it, it says for the duration, you sense the presence of magic within thirty feet of you. If you sense magic okay. in this way, you can use your action to see a faint aura around any visible creature or object in the area that bears magic, and you learn its school of magic, if any. Uh, the spell can penetrate most barriers but is blocked by one foot of stone, one inch of common metal, a thin sheet of lead, or three feet of wood or dirt. All right. So, uh... uh Looking for magic items. Yeah, so you quickly uh, put your hands together and, and whisper a few words, and out from your body, uh, to your eyes, you feel or you see kind of a, a web of... Uh, lines in the shape of a sphere kind of extend away from you and pass through all the items uh you do see one item uh, off up in the top corner above a bunch of junk uh there is an orb uh of kind of um brassish color but a lot with a kind of some type of blue inlay and it's just a, a brass orb um not hollow it's uh, solid uh, yeah, up in uh, up in this corner. I'd like to. Uh, is is that something I can access, or is it like behind his like desk kind of thing? You know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's. I'd like uh, to grab it, but I'd also like to, to grab like the clamber up there. a pile of things. But yeah, you could like get your way up to it. Yeah, I'm gonna grab that item and then two items next to it. Right. Uh, you pick up this uh, small globe, uh, which weighs about maybe a pound. It's it's a good chunk of metal, and then uh, you pick up a, a large spoon, uh, uh, probably made of silver, and a rusted old dagger, and you take these all down. Okay, I'm gonna throw away the second thing. Keep the dagger. Keep the globe. Um. By the way, what school of magic was it? Um. Uh, I wouldn't say it falls under a school of magic. Oh, okay, that's fine. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the dagger and I'm gonna um and and the globe and walk up to um to my friend uh and I'm gonna put the globe down and say, uh, this one's really not that great, but this dagger is incredible. Uh, shopkeep, how, how much for this dagger? Uh, he looks over the two items. He's like, mm, the dagger, mm, three gold, or sorry, three silver. 
Is it a magic dagger, Drip? Is it, you see what I just did there? Yes. This is fully magic. Um, really? What kind of magic does it possess? What kind of magic are you aware of? Um, the magical kind of magic. It is so magical magic. It's crazy. And I say, I can't believe you just keep this lying around, shopkeep. Um, I actually don't have that many gold pieces. And so I set it down and I pick up the globe and I say, this is not as magical. This has to be cheaper. How much for at this point, give me a deception check. All right. I rolled a 12 plus 3. It's a 15. Okay. The shopkeeper looks there and he picks up the dagger instantly and quickly examining it. It's like, I had no idea this was such amazing properties. Um, uh... I will, and he starts giving attention to that, and he pulls out a rag, and he starts trying to, like, get some of the rust off and start polishing it up instantly. Um, and what were you saying about the orb? Well, I, I just said it's not as great, but I don't have as many gold pieces for your dagger, although you should probably keep that in the glass box. Oh, yes, of course. But how much, how much for the globe? Uh, the globe, he kind of picks it up, hefts the weights, kind of basing it off its own weight. He says, a single gold piece uh, for uh, this uh, this fine. And he kind of like shapes himself back up. He's like, a fine orb indeed, sir. Uh, one gold. And I, uh, I, I flip him one gold piece and I say, I'll take it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yes. He takes your coin, uh, puts it on the desk, and hands you uh, hands you the orb, and he goes back to the knife and keeps you know kind of polishing. It. And what did you say the knife did against? Uh... Well, I guess that's for me to know and for you to find out. He kind of gives um, you a scowl. But, like... but it's worth at least twenty gold pieces. Hmm. <laughs> twenty gold. I have to oh, find the appraiser. Drip, you're not supposed to tell him how much it's worth. You're supposed to buy it oh. when it's cheaper. Now he knows it's valuable. And I, like, slap my forehead and, like, ah, dang it, you got me again. It's okay. I made a lot of mistakes when I first got here, too. You're the better salesman. I should have listened to you. <laughs> That's all right. Better, better luck next time. At least you got a marble. Yeah, at least I got this little, little marble. Uh, and I pick uh... it up and I say, what? It's about uh, um, <coughs> a little bit smaller than a tennis ball. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. I, uh, I grab it, um, and I say, all right, I guess it's time to go later, shopkeep. And I wink at him, uh, and I want to inspect this item before we leave. Or, like, as we're walking away. All right. Uh, give me an arcana check to see if you can begin to deduce what this thing does. We better make our way back to the rest of the group. Uh, I got an 18. An 18. Um, looking it over, you can tell that it has some type of magical trigger, which is probably going to be either be a word or some type of phrase for the effect to be activated. It doesn't look... You can tell it's not very powerful, but you know it does something. Um some type of uh, low level to basic kind of magic is stored inside. I say, 
You know, I actually got this for you, Petricor. Will you hold on to this for me? Really? You got that for me? Well, that's of a I did. that's a nice thing to do. Um, but what does it do? Does it navigate through stars? Oh, way better. This actually holds a certain type of magic. Well, how do I get the magic out? Well, you choose a certain word, and it releases it. I get to choose the word any word. Uh, as far as I understand. Does it have to be a real word? <laughs> no, it could be something something that you make up, I guess. All right, and then what happens? Well, I guess we'll see. But do you know already, and you're not telling me, is it a surprise? And I just, like, make eyebrows at him, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, and I start walking away, and he just has it in his hand. <laughs> After a moment of pondering the, uh, the, 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 the sphere, um, I, like, roll it around in my hand uh, to inspect it. Okay, um, uh, give me an arcana check. I hope this will go well. That's not 20. That's not 20. Wow. 17. Um, based off of, based off your understanding of how magic works, even though you have a couple of magical talents, um, you sit there and you're like, rune, rune, cool blue inlay. Um, and, and you can definitely feel the hum of magic to it kind of resonates with you just a little bit, uh, being kind of a magical being. Uh, but you... You don't know what to do with it. It's a mystery. Okay. okay uh, so after studying it for a moment, I uh, I look to see Drip walking away, and after he's gone a, a few steps away, I hold it up to my mouth and I whisper to it, "Zipper." <laughs> <laughs> you you hold it close to your mouth and you whisper, That's "Zipper." Not a real word, and uh, as kind of. Uh, uh, a barely noticing it, uh, a barely noticeable, just kind of a little light kind of seems to bleed through the blue inlay, but then fades. All right. Then I immediately hide it behind my back and like look around to see if anybody saw me. <laughs> you, you stand up straight, uh, tuck it up underneath your owlbear cloak, look around, and everybody seems to be busy with their own things. Uh... All right. I follow Drip further down the back wherever we're coming from. <laughs> Drip, it presumably uh, to find the uh, to the hog's head place. No, no. Oh, the answer failed. So where <clears throat> where are y'all headed? I want to go find Safi. Yeah, that's right. You're leading. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> All right, y'all y'all remember that you're trying to get to the dancer's veil to where which was the last stop or last place that Safina and Drip had seen Captain Lux. That's right. That's right. Um, we are going to go try to find that said place. Um, all right. You kind of remember where y'all were uh, after the, the, the adventures of Smells. And you work your way uh, back through some alleyways, pop over to another main street, uh, and head north a little bit. And there you can see, painted by the door, is a pink and blue uh, belly dancing uh, woman painted on the side of this door. And actually coming out of the door, meeting y'all, is... 
uh, Azarbo, and then the small figure of Safina, uh, Safina coming out, and then behind them, the human form of Captain Lux. Oh, oh, there they are! And Safi's like standing on her tiptoes, um, and as she sees them, she kind of points them out in the crowd. And I go, Drip! Petrichor! And I like stick my hand up and I'm waving it around to catch their attention. And I, uh, do I see her? Uh, you see, uh, it, it cutting through the crowd every now and then you see the small gnomon form just, hey, waving a hand fast. Uh, I wave back. I'm like, hey! <laughs> hey, what's up? Um, Where did you guys go? You were behind us one minute. Uh, we were, uh, we were just looking around. We were looking for steaks. We could smell them, but we couldn't find them. I told you steaks. it was steaks. <laughs> yeah, steaks. Venison steaks specifically. I've got an excellent nose, and I smelled venison steaks. <laughs> they smelled delicious. Where that smell is coming from, no one will ever know. <laughs> but That's bad marketing, I think. <laughs> right. So, Captain. Hey, was... hey there, Drip. Good to see you. Patrick Orr, always you? good to see you. Well, we have one hour we need to kill, and then we can uh, set off. So what would you... And he cuts mid-sentence, and then quickly kind of, instead of facing y'all, comes in between you two, puts an arm on either side of you. Like, to, uh, what would you two like to do? We, we need to kill an hour, and I, I kind of don't want to be here. So, uh, what, what, let's let's go somewhere. And he's kind of, like, pushing you up the street, kind of trying to walk y'all. He said, well, Captain, the place you were just a minute ago seemed pretty swell. Uh, it's uh, boring. Uh, they oversell. Did you see their clothes? They look like mine. Do you shop there, Drip? <laughs> uh, I... I, I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and you can feel uh, uh, Petricor and Drip. You can feel the captain kind of pushing on your back to kind of like, Let, let's go, let's go somewhere. Let's, and he's kind of like trying to push you up the street and, and to walk the group somewhere. The captain, is there a problem? Uh, no, no, no problems at all. We uh, uh, just uh, an old ex. Uh, don't don't want to run into her. Awkward times. Come on. Step lively, and he kind of lets go of you guys and starts kind of like heading on. You um, lost your axe, <laughs> like a woodcutting axe or a battle axe. Oh, it, it's a battle axe, all right. Uh, and he keeps kind of like, "Come on, come on." Do you think you probably left it in your other pants? <laughs> oh and Savvy God. takes her quarterstaff and just kind of knocks Dip at the side of the knees. Drip. Drip. What did I say? Dip. Dang it. <laughs> like, Ow, what? Steffi, it's not nice to hit people for no reason. I'm sorry, Petrichor. You're right. I need a reason. And then I just kind of glare at Drip. I was like, you don't even know me. What? Um, and I look back at the captain and I say, so, captain, what was that note about? Uh, what was the what about? The note. Ah, the note earlier, and he kind of like ducks off into an alley and kind of gets out of the main street. Uh, not like a shady, creepy alley, just kind of like a smaller street off the side. He kind of like ducks off and he waits for y'all to catch up. He's like, 
Uh, just uh, completing an order for uh, delivery over in Kaui. Uh, but just wanted to make sure that we had all of our cargo. That's how you make money. Uh, come along. And he continues down uh, the alleyway. Sappy's going to like look behind, trying to figure out like if there's anybody that looks like out of place or looks like they're pursuing him. She's like, what the heck is he doing right now? I don't uh, understand. Give me, give me a perception check. Mm, where's perception 19? 22. Wow. Okay. Uh, I was mainly just seeing that if you didn't get a one, but um, you kind of look back down the alleyway and you can see uh, two figures uh, stark difference compared to the neutral tones of everybody else's kind of clothes. But you see in a bright crimson red, a woman walking forward and behind her a man uh she's wearing uh these bright red robes that almost kind of trail behind her and uh the embroidery is also in like a only a slightly brighter shade of red the red could almost be a blood red she is bald on top and has uh geometric tattoos all over the top of her head uh, the man following behind her has a long kind of beard that reaches down to his neck. And he has hair, and it's long and braided on the top. He's wearing leather armor, uh, but with the with also this crimson red accenting all over it. He has kind of a falchion sword uh, hanging at his waist. And you can see them moving through people and occasionally asking uh, people some questions and then moving to another set of people. <coughs> And this is back on the main street that y'all just were, not on this small street. Right. Uh, and so I turn around and uh, like catch back up with them. Is there is is there a woman in, in red that we should be worried about? Uh, we should all be worried about women in red, lass. Uh, come on, come on. And uh, he kinda, he's kind of pressing on. And you watch him kind of make another turn. Uh, now definitely to a thinner and smaller alleyway, cutting between buildings. How thin of an alleyway? Uh, for you, Petrichor, <laughs> you kind of not have to fully turn sideways, but you do kind of have to walk uh, with one shoulder back. Uh, Captain. Uh, uh, yes, is, Petri? Where are we, go where are we going? Uh, we're uh, going to uh, one of my uh, uh, favorite spots here in town. Uh, it's a nice little bookstore. Uh, I, I figured I'll get some light reading for for the the voyage. I don't know how to read. <laughs> I I will teach you. Just uh, come along, come along. And he he picks up the pace as he moves through the uh, an alley and makes once again another turn. It seems like we're running from something, Captain. Uh, what could it be? Uh, and then I like turn around really fast and try to get out of his grasp. All right, so you just like whip, like whip around really quick. Uh, what's the order? Are, are you in front of or behind Petrichor? I thought he had his arms around me. Oh, he yeah, let y'all go. on either side of him. Um, actually, no, he had uh, taken his arms off of you and it, it started okay. walking ahead of you guys. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So through these alleyways. Um, I assumed I was close behind him. Okay, for so you whip around, and standing in front of you now is the large form of Petrichor, uh, snuggling his, or uh, very snug fit through this alleyway, just kind of staring at you. What, 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 what is it, Rip? Do you, do you see something? 
I'm trying to. You're in the way. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a narrow space, and I'm a big guy. I, I, I wasn't. I mean, your size is great. That's fine. I, just trying to look. By. Is there a man behind you? I turn around to look to see who's behind me. You, you kind of like crank your neck and uh, turn a little bit. Uh, uh, standing there uh, at the end now is uh, a Zarbo, um, kind of at the end of this train. I turn back to Drip. Uh, Drip, a Zarbo's behind me. Is he? Is he not? Is he following us? Uh, no, he's supposed to. Uh... I turn back to Zarbo. A Zarbo. Is there is there anybody following you? <laughs> I will turn around myself and uh, yeah it, yeah I'll see what else is back there. Uh, you turn around and you can see uh, a Safina now uh, or no Safina you've already caught up. Uh, you can now uh, look into this back alley and uh, make a perception check. Okay. Mm, real dice. Twenty one. Twenty one. You look. Um, there is a. You don't see anything, uh, but you can kind of hear some type of commotion back in the direction that y'all came from. <laughs> okay. Well, I see nothing, but I do hear something. It doesn't sound like someone's having a great time back there. Uh, uh, and actually, at that moment, you see through the alleyway a streak of lightning uh, fly down the alleyway that y'all just turned through. Oh. So, Captain, maybe we should move a little faster. I faster, agree, faster. I agree, I agree. And uh, you see him kind of like now go through a light jog uh, through the alleyways. And he makes another quick turn and y'all pop out onto a uh, main thoroughfare. Uh, lively with um, <coughs> merchants. All right, where are we going, Cap? Uh, and he kind of looks around. He's like, we really need to kill this next hour. I can't leave without that package. But I definitely can't be seen by that lady. Uh, and he kind of starts working his way towards another kind of alleyway. He's like, y'all have any ideas? Bortusk. Bortusk? Um, and he kind of looks around. He's like, we can make it there. All right, lead on. All right, and he uh, does a quick um, kind of run down the main thoroughfare, and he turns once again down some other alleyways to seemingly attempt to lose who's ever following, and then pops out onto the street, and like you can see down your right, uh, the boar head that's sticking out the side of this building, and uh, y'all run back in, uh, and y'all run inside. And in fact, uh, you hear a familiar voice uh, off to the side go, Dagon, what are you doing here? And Dagon kind of throws up a, a finger, kind of like shushing him. Uh, and Dagon now looks at you guys like, I'm still open to ideas. Uh, Rather, I have an idea, and I'm going to run back outside, and I'm going to... Wait, is there a way for me to get around this building? Like, is it freestanding by itself, or is it part of a block? Um, the right side, if you're looking at the door, the right side of the building is connected to the next one, but to the left, there is an empty space. Okay, so is that like an alley, or is that uh, just an empty space? Um, it is an alleyway. There's another building right there, so probably a six-foot-wide alleyway. Excellent. Okay, in that case... Um... I'm going to look over at Drip and say, all right, I'm climbing to the top, you're climbing halfway, and they're climbing up after. And I look at him and I say, what? So I'm going to start side of this thing, because I got kitty claws, like, mad. <laughs> all right, so you start scaling up the side of it. Um, uh-huh. 
For tabaxi, do they have a climbing speed? We do. 20 feet. Okay, all right. So then you can, without a check, you crawl your way all the way up to the top, uh, to the top of the, the, the boar's tusk. And actually, you know, I'm before I'm, I'm just going to take the rope I've got out of my pack and drop that down the side. Okay. You lay down uh, uh, some rope. Safi sees the rope and she goes, oh, thank goodness. And she grabs on the rope <laughs> and starts climbing up after him. All right. It takes a little work, but you make your way up to the top of the rope. As I begin climbing, I'd like to, Captain, who's following us? Maybe I can help you if you uh, told me something. I, it's an old business deal that went a little bit sideways. It, it's not a big deal. Some people just get upset uh, when uh, their wares don't show up exactly on time. Like this package? Uh, this package, totally different thing. Very different thing. Now, And he starts working his way up the rope, and he's like, are you going to come? Uh, can I... Roll insight to see if he's totally full of it. Uh, give me an insight check. Yeah, baby. Um... Oh, that's gonna be a, a, a massive seven. He he's telling the truth. Uh, that uh, there seems to be a misunderstanding of some sorts, and that's what's leading to this. Mm. Mm, I I climb up. All right, so you follow up the captain. You go up. Uh, Petricor, you are the last one down on the ground. How big of a rope is this rope? I mean, it it's a 15 feet to the roof, uh, and it's a standard oh, 15 feet to the roof. rope. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah, Petricor. Um, <clears throat> all right, Captain, I got I've got an idea, and uh, and I pull out from uh, it's kind of strapped to my back with rope and and leather straps. Um, and I and I pull off a large bear trap. We'll just if if they follow us, we, they'll get trapped in the bear trap. Let me just uh, and I start to try and pry it open while whoa, I'm on whoa, the ground. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a, that seems a little uh, not subtle. No, no, we'll yeah. hide it under some leaves and they won't even see it. Uh, this is heart. not this is not the forest you're thinking of. Just get up the rope. <laughs> but oh, wow. uh, disadvantage but, on your next you, roll, Darrell. <laughs> You can save it for later, Petrocore. It'll come in handy somewhere else. It sounds good to me. Oh, 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 oh. Drip. All right, all right, I'm coming, I'm coming. What? And I climb up the rope. Uh, well, in fact, Zarbo, give me an athletics check as a large furbolg wraps his hands around the rope and starts pulling on it. Okay. It's going to be a 15. All right. Um, I would say uh, as you start listing or start falling forward under the weight, I mean, you're holding it, but it's just a weight ratio difference. You feel uh, the captain's hands grab a hold of the rope as well, lean back, uh, and let Patrickor finish his climb up to the top. Uh, and y'all are now all on top of the roof of the boar's tusk. Uh, what, I'm going to still pull the rope up. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pulling the rope up, and then I would like to stealth. You pull the rope uh, all the way up with you. Um, all right, give me a uh, give me stealth checks for for those who are gonna try to quietly sit on top of the roof. Uh, I will stealth. Yeah. Eleven plus six is seventeen. Sixteen for for Azarbo. Seventeen. Sorry, seventeen for Azarbo. Uh huh. Seventeen for Drip. 
Uh, a six for Safina. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm so small, right? Who, who's gonna notice? What'd you roll? Um, six. And a six for Petrichor. Alright. Wow. Okay. Um, this will be interesting. As uh, y'all sit up there for a moment and uh, you kind of peek over the edge of the top, uh, eventually, not coming through the way that y'all did, uh, not through that alleyway, but another alleyway farther down uh, the road, uh, out pops uh, the woman, the bald woman with red tattoos on her head and her following friend. A few moments later, uh, you see uh, uh, four men uh, dressed in armor with the symbol of the city, which is a, uh, a pearl uh, uh, kind of with a sparkle on one end, um, star on one end, uh, a pearl with a star uh, following them. And uh, you watch them stop them, talk for a moment, and then you watch the woman uh, weave together arcane energy and grab the one of the these guardsmen by the, the throat and electricity just vibrates through the air uh, y'all can hear a small thunderclap and the person drops to the floor smoking uh you see the other gentleman turn and uh yelling something run off and the woman starts pacing off uh towards the boar's tusk oh my lanta everybody stay quiet the, there's there's this woman coming She's in red robes and she's all tattooed up and I'm gonna throw a hand up to magic. I peek my head over. You peek your head over a little bit? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh so kind of over the top of the the fancy wood sign that the boar head is attached to, you, you a little whiskers and a little nose peek over the top, uh, as this woman and her uh other man uh come up to the building and you watch her kick in a door. And below, you can hear uh, a, a couple of yelling uh, voices. Um, and then y'all see, uh, or one of you, or Safina, uh, you recognize the, the voice, the gruff voice of Kadeem. Uh, yell something at her, and uh, eventually she steps out of the boar's tusk. And the gentleman uh, that has been following her steps out as well. And you, you watch her look around down that road. Back up the road. And she slowly looks up to the top of the building. Kind of scans it. You can tell that her eyes squint just a little bit. And she looks back at the road and she starts walking down it. She rolled a natural one on her perception. Uh, <laughs> she And you watch her start making her way uh, back towards um, the docks. Or uh, back towards where the port would be. And you can hear the captain. That was a little bit closer than I was expecting. So, Captain, let's be honest. Is that your girlfriend? <laughs> I, no, I've actually never seen that woman before in my life. Right. And I can I roll again. insight on that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I'll, uh, time has passed, so you can roll another insight check. That one. That is not his <laughs> You're not very insightful. Oh. Um, you watch the captain uh, walk over to uh, a rain barrel on the top, lean down, splash his face, uh, and kind of sit there for a second. He's like, okay, we've killed probably about uh, 30 minutes. We need to kill about 30 minutes more, and then we can head to the Harlequin and get out of here. 
Would it make sense to uh, head to the Harlequin now and just keep low? Well, that is an idea. I just want to make sure that she can't find her way to the Harlequin. Ah. Do you well, know of anywhere? Go ahead. Hey, well, she's gone now. What did you do to piss her off, Captain? I, I, I didn't do anything. I, I promise. I, 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 I am not at fault. That's what they all say. <laughs> so, to explain me, though, why is it that uh, she's bolting people on the roof? I mean, I believe you, but uh, people don't just do that typically for no reason. Do you not recognize what she is? Uh, a, a bald woman. I, I understand she's probably mad because she doesn't have hair. Oh, oh, I know, I know. She's a human. Uh, <laughs> yes, Patrick Moore, and he kind of taps you on the shoulder. She is, in fact, a human. Oh, That's probably why she's so upset. I don't, I don't buy that one. A likely story, but not plausible. Drip. I don't know. I've seen humans do weird things. Uh, Drip, I, I want you to give me a, a history check. Because you, you've traveled quite a bit before you came to Miriam. Who's that? Drip. Drip needs to make oh. a, a history check. Oh! oh! That'd be a nut. What is this? Someone did all his world geography homework. All right. Um, <laughs> and on your journeys through here, coming up the coast of Kartor, and then eventually up into Faerun, you do remember hearing about a society of wizards dressed in red often known as Crimson Casters or uh, uh, Scarlet Wizards. They're known for living in the, the community or a small budding country called Thet. And you remember hearing that they're kind of a ruthless group of wizards and spellcasters that uh, oppress the other peoples that are within their borders. Uh, they are very much focused on increasing their arcane power through whatever means necessary. The, uh, you even know that the wizards in their community, since this is a natural 20, uh, you know that they shave their heads and are bald if they are uh, a member of the, the wizard class of this group. And the tattoos on their head will often signify their office or uh, status. Do I know what language those runes are in? Or are they just rune runes? Like... It's you don't know you don't know what uh, system they use to to for that. Okay, uh, and then uh, it clicks in my mind all of that information from the history check. I was like, wait, 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 <laughs> Captain, what? Why are you dealing with one of these wizards of this caliber, uh, a Scarlet Wizard? Uh, I I personally did nothing with any of these uh, these scarlet casters these these crimson whatever they are. Um, it it was before my time. Uh, it was be, be I kind of inherited this. Like your dad married one, and she's your sister. Or... You watch you, you watch uh, Lux. <laughs> Uh, uh, face palm hard and just kind of rub his head into his, <laughs> into his palm. He's like, I do not know that lady and not related to that lady as best that I know. And my father 
No, he was a faithful husband. I am his only son. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, well, I believe you. And I don't want to mess with them, guys. Look at me, look at me. And I grab Petricor um, by the cheeks and I say, don't mess with her. <laughs> Those guys are bad news. Uh, all right. All right, Rip. Wasn't planning on it. <laughs> uh, and I say, well, this roof is pretty nice. We can just hang out here and... Does anybody have cards? We can just wait another 20 minutes and then. Anybody got playing cards? I do not have playing cards. However, I could play you a song on my flute. Yes. And I pull out my pan flute and I begin to play a tune. Okay. I sit cross legged on the ground. Give me give me a performance, Jack. <laughs> Safi's going to sit next to Drip. All right. Uh, 20. Not, 20. Not, a, not natural, but okay, 20. Not natural. Okay. Uh, you sit there, pull out your pan flute, and you uh, begin uh, kind of whistling out this tune uh, that you'd grown up, uh, grown up hearing, and it was about uh, the stag of the forest, um, the great stag and its journeys uh, and how it guards the... <clears throat> Or how it guards home, uh, the place that you call home, and uh, it's just kind of a tale uh, of its of its uh, guardianship over that area, um, and you kind of kill about ten to fifteen minutes uh, by the end of that song, and then another song, and the captain kind of whistles at one point. He's like, "I haven't, I haven't heard playing that well in quite some time. You are quite talented, my friend." Thank you. I appreciate that. That was beautiful, Petricor. And I, I go up and I pat him on the, the hip, like sideways. <laughs> you, you reach up as far as you can and, and you pat I don't him think on you can. <laughs> No, I can't reach. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I pat your thigh. Whatever I can reach. Cat, calf. Calf. We need a size comparison here. Draw me a picture. My, uh... I wipe a tear from my eyes. It is just a beautiful melody. Uh, and un- unbeknownst to, to Petricor, during his song, I want to use prestidigitation. Uh, there's a lot of different uses for it, um, but I'm going to use the last use of it. It says, you create a non-magical trinket uh, or an illusionary image that can fit in your hand and last till the end of your next turn. Um, and I want to create uh, the stag that I imagined in my mind right. out of wood. All right, so you kind of hold out your hands, uh, whisper some words, and an image of a stag prances around, kind of around on your hands, and then bucks at one point majestically, and then fades. Uh, it turns. I don't want to show that to Petricor. Um, as much as Petricor doesn't seem to understand much of what's happening. He definitely understands this, and he like nods at Drip and, while playing the flute. <laughs> and I uh, wipe that tear from my eye and just give him a, a big old nod. All right. And I'm just so happy. Well, I think that killed enough time. And he kind of looks up at the where the sun is in the sky and then judges a shadow. And he says, I think if we leave now, we'll get to the ship uh, right on time. 
But uh, that's the direction she went as well. So anybody got any ideas on not being spotted by that lady? Uh, I'm going to reach into my pack, and I've got a bunch of fine clothes in there. I'm going to chuck over at the captain, and I'm going to put my hood up on my traveler's clothes. Right. And he takes the clothes, and he sifts through them. He's like, uh, he grabs the kind of the big uh, coat that kind of comes with it, takes off his, and hands it uh, to you to, to put it away. And then he puts this fancier cloak uh, uh, coat back on. Um, he's like, this, uh, this might help a bit. All right. Uh, anybody else have anything to cover a face with? Ooh, ooh, I know a trick. Uh, watch me. Watch, watch this. Watch this. And I'm going to use disguise self. And I'm going to make myself look like a city guard. Okay. Um, uh, what does disguise, disguise self do? Read that off for me. Yeah, hold on just a second. Well, I turned to it. I had a lot of words, so I didn't write it down. But uh, it is <laughs> Character fits. Yes, <laughs> his character. You best. <laughs> I mean, sometimes. You make yourself, including your clothing, armor, weapons, and other belongings on your person, look different until the spell ends or until you use your action to dismiss it. You can seem, um, specifically in a Furbolg's uh, disguise self, they can make themselves seem three feet shorter or three feet taller. Um, and you can appear thin, fat, or in between. You can change your body type, so you must... I'm sorry, you can't change your body type, so you must adopt a form that has the same basic arrangement of limbs. Otherwise, the extent of the illusion is up to you. Okay. Changes wrought by the spell fail to hold up to the physical inspection. For example, if you use the spell to add a hat to your outfit, objects pass through it. The hat and anyone who touches it would feel nothing or would feel your head and hair. If you use the spell to appear thinner than you are... Uh, the hand of someone who reaches out to touch you would bump into you while it's still in midair. All right. Uh, what's the, is there a saving throw to that if somebody tries to investigate? I believe so. The, the, the saving throw is to discern that you were disguised. A creature can use its action to inspect you, inspect your appearance, and must succeed on an intelligence investigation check against your spell save DC. Okay. All right. So you kind of take your hands and kind of wave them in front of your face and slowly kind of uh, in front of you, like pass them down your body. And y'all can all see in kind of a green shimmer as his form changes from Petrichor to a the city guard that y'all just recently saw uh, with a chainmail helmet uh, with a chainmail aventail, a scimitar on his hip and the image of a pearl with a star on one corner uh, emblazoned on his chest. How, how do I look? Oh, wait. <clears throat> how, 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 how do I look? Wow. Petrichor, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I did my human voice. Petrichor. I would like to slow clap. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. Petrichor? How did you know? And I want to, like, walk up to him and start touching him. <laughs> <laughs> your your hand stops in midair, like all around the figure. <laughs> this is incredible. I love it. First the flute, and now this. You've outdone yourself, sir. Saffy flips up the hood on her cloak. All right, Saffy. Uh, That's all I've got. I'm sorry. All right, guys. I, uh, I think it's about as good as it's going to get. Let's go for it. Can we, uh, 
move stealthily, or are we just going to try and walk through this whole thing? Um, Brad, would you say that that was a short rest? Oh, yes. <laughs> I would say uh, for the, uh, for not uh, everybody but Petricor could have taken a short rest for that, since Petricor spent the time um, performing. I'm okay with that. Okay, so I have my spell slot back. <laughs> Your one spell slot? <laughs> I have two. Yeah, but now I, I had one, and now I have two. Because I used one to detect magic. <laughs> Alright, so uh, it, with that, you watch uh, the captain gesture to, to his arbo. It's like, the rope, please. And I will chuck the rope over and uh, brace myself a little bit. And he look. The captain about to grab on the rope, and he looks over. He's like, "Uh, Petrocor, why, uh, why don't you go first? Uh, yeah, oh uh, yeah, oh uh, yeah. Let's. Uh, I'm gonna go first. And uh, it kind of looks like if you're playing a video game, and the character's not really grabbing the rope where it's supposed to be grabbing. The rope. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like the, the 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 figure that you see is kind of detached from the wall. He's like and is floating away, hanging on to midair. Yeah. While he descends the rope. So as Petricor has clipping issues, he makes his way down <laughs> to the ground uh, and lets go of the rope. Uh, with that, the captain gets on the rope and slides down. Uh, Safina and Drip, you were the last ones besides Azarbo up there. I'm going to climb down with my claws. And I use the rope as I have no claws. <laughs> uh, you guys make your way down to the ground. And I will pull the rope back up, climb down with the claws. You make your way down. Uh, I wish I had claws. Yeah, these are pretty nice. And I like flash my talents and put them back in and flash them again. And then kind of do a little like showing them and then put them up. <laughs> <laughs> so repeatedly, all of a sudden, Drip just keeps whipping around with his claws out, putting them away. Whipping around and he has his claws up. And he, <laughs> he whips around again and he pulls his claws out one more time. And he finally laps himself enough that he's like, all right, let's get going. Uh, with that, the captain uh, steps out of the corner, looks both ways, and starts making his way in the same direction that the woman in red did. And... Is that copywriting? Can I say that? No. Um, the woman wearing red clothes. Okay. Uh... <laughs> I think you can get by with that one. That's a general enough description. <laughs> George that R. is R. very Martin, good. shut us down. Uh, you, uh, and he starts making his way. And you can actually see through the streets the forest of ship masts, uh, of ships uh, slowly uh, floating in the docks. Okay. I think... I'm going to sort of usher... Petricor into the middle of the group so that he's not going to be bumping into people in the crowd and all that. And I'm I'm scanning around looking for the uh, woman in her crimson robes. Uh, you keep a good eye out. Um, yeah, give me a perception check again. So many of those. Very very perceptive game. Twenty two nineteen plus three. All right. As y'all make your way down the long street, uh, and you make it to the docks as you pass through the last row of warehouses, you look left and you look right, uh, and down far on the right, you can see uh, a group of city watch or city guard uh, coming down uh, and speaking to 
the brightly red uh, dressed uh, figures uh, down on the far end. And you look and you watch as the captain is turning and going opposite directions uh, down a row of ships. Okay. Um, I want to follow the captain. Yes, I keep following up and just kind of try and keep my eye um, back to make sure we're maintaining our distance or that she's within sight. Uh, uh, excuse, excuse me, uh, uh, civilians, uh, uh, city guard on in important business. Um, <laughs> Sorry, you don't ahead. have to say anything. Where is part of the disguise, Seffy? <laughs> and as y'all continue on your way, you pass a large galley uh, with a bright blue paint going down the side with a kind of an olive green uh, trim. And you pass it and you almost want to say you go into an empty space. But as you look down, you can see floating only a, a few feet up from the waterline. Looks like just a deck. A smooth-topped um, uh, smooth junk ship, or, or it is what they're kind of called, where they have this square noses on both ends and uh, um, uh, generally you would traditionally see a sail with kind of like ribs in it, but there's no mast or any type of sailing or ropes outside of that which are attaching it to the dock uh, on it. Um, you can see what looks to be some type of uh, open sliding doors in the very middle, wide uh, and open on this smooth white deck. Uh, the end that is closest towards the dock is kind of very wide. Uh, and then if you look towards kind of the ocean or, or away from the docks, on the opposite end is flat as well, but much more tapered. In fact, it's forked like a snake's tongue. And you watch the sh uh, ship jump on board uh, over one of the railings, and it kind of beckons you forward. I follow him onto this odd-looking ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, y'all hear the sound of uh, another thunderclap. Uh, and you, those who are facing away from the ship, you kind of have a blue flash uh, kind of bleed through the sky and the sound of screaming people. I turn around looking for the, the commotion and the noise. All right. Uh, holding on to your perception check from earlier, you can see... Uh, now the uh, woman charging down the way. You can see her running uh, and a few guard um, people, uh, guardsmen, uh, trying to regroup themselves. Quickly, quickly, everyone. She's, she's coming after us. And I start, like, pushing them to go faster onto the ship. I'm moving. I'm moving. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm hopping on the boat. I'm... Starting to actually no, I'm gonna I'm going to yeah I'm gonna start untying things for, like uh, untying the ship from the dock. Captain, what do we do? All right, so uh, you watch as Azarbo jumps onto the ship with a cat line leap and starts untying rope and then throwing it uh, back onto the top of the ship. Um, I I grab a rope in my hand and I'm like, I'm not gonna pretend like I know what I'm doing here. This is my first time on a ship, Captain. What do I do? I promise <laughs> I'm useful. I <laughs> just. Uh, and you watch as Captain Lux runs up towards the the stern or towards the forked end of this platform, reaches down and pulls on a lever. And you watch as two doors 
uh, slide open, leading down uh, down to a lower deck. So you want me to go down here? Is this, is this it's up to you. Can I go? Any, uh, jumps can down I go underneath. Sefi, I feel like if I'm going to try and pull off the disguise, I probably should go help the rest of the city guard fight off the woman. What do you think? No, Petrichor, you're you're not actually a city guard. You you stay with us. You... Shh, don't say that too loud. I'm in disguise. I know that, and I, I reach out. Flash, uh, fires off down your way, and you watch as it just misses uh, y'all's area, and you watch as a few people. You can hear a few people scream in pain. How close is she to us? At this point, she's about a hundred yards sprint. Excellent. I am going to whip out the crossbow, and I want to fire at her. Okay, make an attack roll. First attack roll of the campaign. Okay, you said a hundred. Twenty. Twenty. Hundred yards, man. She's three hundred feet away. Net twenty. Net three hundred feet. Okay, yeah, that. Two. Uh, I don't net, even know 20. if I can hit that. Whatever. Screw it. I'll try it. Two. Yeah. Net twenty. Two. Uh, I got a. Three plus four, or rather plus five, so an eight. <laughs> you, you hit load the crossbow and tink, the arrow sails out, and then uh, one of the ships rocks heavy with a breeze, and uh, the bolt catches into the mast of the ship. Uh, bummer. Okay, uh, I'm gonna start reloading, and this <laughs> starts. I'm gonna yell over to Petricor. It's like shove off from the dock. All right, and uh, I drop disguise self. And um, I shove, I grab, <gasps> I grab, you know, those like, uh, what do you call them? The, the wooden, the stubs that are coming up out of the water. Mm-hmm. I like grab the nearest one to the boat and I take with both hands, just like heave away from it. All right. Uh, give me, give me your athletics check, man. Nice. No, it, it was, it was a heave. <laughs> oh. 22. 22. With a, uh, all those are on board. You feel the ship all of a sudden slide to the right as uh, Petricor grabs on and brrr, pushes away. You watch as the ship rock and create some small waves. Uh, did Drip, did you follow the captain down or what? Or did you stay uh, on top of that? Yeah. Okay. What do I see? As you start following the captain down, you go one deck down and you can see a row of doors. And then you see on the other end another set of stairs, <coughs> and you watch the captain go down this uh, uh, this next. Actually, it's a ladder. Apologies. He goes down a small ladder, and you and you follow down the ladder. And as you turn around and away from the ladder, you look in, and you can see uh, first in front of you is a pedestal with four concentric wheels on it, uh, one on top of another. And you watch him grab all four of those wheels. Uh, made of, it looks like some type of bronze, and he spins them all the way to, to the right, and you hear him go click, 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 and lock into a position. He then runs up to the navigation wheel that you would see on any ship, and you look past it, and you can see a fish swim by a window and another fish, and you realize that you're now below the waterline onto wherever he is, and you watch him grab a cord that's out by his feet and clip something into his belt, and he goes, hold on! And you watch as he pushes something on the center of the wheel. Arcane energy lights up runes around the navigation wheel as itself. Those who are on the top of the ship all of a sudden feel a lurch upward. And the deck in front of the, the docks in front of you now falling below the deck line. As the ship begins to rise slowly up out of the water. Uh, drip, you can watch as the water line 
uh, now recedes lower and lower than the wide windows that are in front of you that kind of wrap around uh, and the ship slowly starts lifting in the air and the captain looks around and is like oh did I uh, not mention she's a levy ship and those are on the top deck you feel yourself now rising completely and you can hear the last bit of water drip off the bottom of the harlequin as you're now uh, starting to lift into the air Saffy holds on to the rail for dear life she's never been in the air before what is going on with this ship Oh, Sophie, I think the uh, uh, I think the wizard's got us. I think it's put. I think it's it's gonna flip us over. <laughs> and I'm now putting the crossbow away, whipping out the sword and board, expecting exactly as Petricor has said. <laughs> so you and Petricor stand at the ready, looking around for for whatever kind of combat there is. Uh, y'all actually can see over the edge as once more a streak of blue lightning slams into the bottom of the ship. Drip down below, you watch as ar- or, uh, streaks of lightning, arcs of lightning, dance across the, the window panes that are uh, only a few uh, yards in front of you. And you, wa- and you can hear the captain whisper something under his breath. Next to the wheel is a large lever, one end connecting to the floor, another end connecting to the top. He grabs a bar that connects the two pieces and he slowly pushes them forward and you hear it go kunk, kunk, chunk, and uh, slam into a position. For those on the outside, what you just noticed as something clicked, the railing that had been all on the top of the deck drops down uh, down into the deck, creating a smooth top. And you can see uh, both on the left and the right as two wings uh, about that look mm, like large feathered oars uh, slowly to lift up from the side of the ship and lock into position. Uh, if you were below, uh, looking up, if you were from the red woman's perspective, looked up, you would see another two, almost like fins, at the back of the ship drop forward, facing uh, the points facing towards her. The whole image looking like a floating, uh, a floating manta ray with a glass pane wrap around on the base. And you watch as the captain spins the wheel hard to the right and the ship slowly turns. For those who are on the top, I need dexterity saving throws. Nice. Azarbo! Azarbo, I think we should jump before she crashes! <laughs> I've got a uh, 12. Oh, yeah. 12. Yeah. Dexterity Actually, Drip, give me one too. Uh, give me a, a Dexterity saving throw too. Is Safi making it? Mm-hmm. Safi got a 17. Okay, so have you got a 17? Uh, Petricor? Petricor got an 18. 18. Azarbo? 12. 12. Uh, and Drip? 7. 7. So, uh, Azarbo, you feel the ship uh, listing to the left, and its nose kind of coming up as it begins to make a bank. You dig your claws into the, the smooth wooden deck, um, and... Uh, Safi, you grab onto the large, heavy leg of Petricor. As Petricor, you lean down and kind of push as much of your weight into the deck of the ship. Drip, <laughs> down below, you watch in awe as this ship begins to turn. And as it yanks hard, you just go, bam, into the side wall as you uh, tumble off of your feet. And you can hear the captain's like, I, I thought I told you to hold on. And as it begins to bank and pull away, another streak of lightning fires off behind y'all. 
uh, and the ship kind of rights itself as it turns away from the uh, the port itself and begins to pull away. Wow, this is gorgeous, Captain. <laughs> what? I've never seen anything like this. What? What is it? It's the Holoquin. It's a levee ship. Now go get your friends before they're done for. Come on. Uh, and I like slowly walk upstairs as I'm like looking at runes, like trying to decipher them. Petricor, what did what's what's what did we get ourselves into? Hold on tight. And um, as uh, as drip as you as you reach the top of the uh, <laughs> oh that was scary. Um, as you reach the top of the deck, uh, you see. Uh, Petricor holding Safi approaching the edge of the ship. <laughs> Petricor, hey, come, come look at this. This is awesome. Trip, good. We've got her to escape. She's got us in her clutches. You, but no, don't know what you're talking about. But you should come. You of all people should come check this out. No, we're far, we're we're flying in the air. We need to jump off. No, Petricor, we're uh, not jumping off of this ship. Just, just real quick before you do that. Zarbo <laughs> is clawing his way back toward the <laughs> stairs he just came up, and is like, "I'm gonna kill that guy." No, don't do that, but... Zarbo. There you are. I'm still on all fours, clawing my way forward. <laughs> Guys, we better jump. Where's the captain? No, no, this is a ship. This is a ship. We're right. good. Drip the ocean! Look at the ocean! It's way down there! <laughs> and you can now look as you're getting farther and farther away from the ocean, mainly going more up than away as y'all are uh, starting. As you look past the thinner end, the, st the stern of the ship where the fork is, uh, and you look past down that, you can see the woman once again preparing some type of arcane blast. I pull on Petricor's calf back to where uh, Drip is standing. By the doors going down. I'm gonna uh, use prestidigitation to make a venison smell. <laughs> I'm down below. All right, Petricor, uh, like I mean, very, very nervous in this moment, disregards the smell, but it has an effect on him subconsciously, <laughs> and he feels like safety must be coming from inside the cabin. Go and prepare, get inside. Come on, it's our bow. All right, we all go back in there. Yeah, right, follow so him down. Make your way down and uh, drip. You lead him to the captain, uh, to the bridge. And the captain turns around. He's like, ah, good. You're all here. Did I forget to mention it's a levee ship? And uh, kind of with a smirk on his face, he reaches down beneath his uh, navigation wheel and pulls out a large cavalier hat with a feather in one end, tucks it on the top of his head, grabs the lever, the long lever that's connected both to the floor and to the ceiling, and you can see on the bottom half, it is, uh, has arcane runes written all over it. And it is a, uh, has some red inlay along with some brass, uh, and every now and then you can see some type of small gem. He says something, and then as he grabs onto the staff, the whole ship begins to, like, shudder for a moment, almost like it was trying to, to vibrate itself apart, but all of a sudden it then stops and he curses. And he's like, oh, that's not good. Not good at all. And he looks back, he's like, Trip, uh, see the rune on the top of the pedestal. Uh, it, push it towards me, P push it towards me now. 
I do that. All right, so you run over the pedestal, and you, on top of where the, the four wheels were that are laid on top of each other is a kind of a sphere in the middle, and you slide it. Uh, it's got a room right in the middle, and you slide it forward, and you all feel the ship lurch forward, now not going up anymore, but driving itself forward. And if y'all look throughout the windows, up above y'all, kind of now what would be on the bottom of the Harlequin, you can see now two openings facing y'all uh, with some type of energy being pushed out. You can assume that whatever is keeping this in the air is probably part of it. And the ship starts ripping forward. Uh, you, uh, quickly, y'all look through the window and you can watch as you are now all the way out of the port and slowly getting over open ocean. And that's where we're going to stop for tonight. All right. Okay. Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> all right. <laughs> cool, man. Are we taking the break or are we stopping for the night? Uh, we're going to stop here. Uh, thank you all uh, so much for who did uh, tune in and check out our first episode. Uh, we'll have another one out here soon. Um, so go ahead and grab some dice, grab some friends, and roll up some fun. Catch you all soon.